I want yeah. to bring to everyone's attention that once Sean, while smoking the devil's lettuce, wrote a whole thesis on Kevin Sorbo. True or false, Sean? True. It was good. I wish I could find that. Was it good? I made some good points about Kevin Sorbo. Paragraph two was why he had no nipples. Tales from the Ditch, starring Sean Allen Moss, Seth Wildshoot, and guest appearing second time? Second appearance. T-Mac, Tyler Macaluso. How you doing, Tyler? I'm doing all right, yeah. It's good to have you. It's good to have him. Thanks. It's good to have people. Tyler, how you doing? How's life? I wanted to congratulate you. Your first, that was your first official sermon you just preached, right? That's right, a couple weeks ago. Dude, and it was an awesome sermon. Thank you. It was really good. It's awesome. You know, it's something else to congratulate you on, Tyler. What's that? You, I may have told you this already, but if you didn't know, you are the only guest we've ever had on Tales from the Ditch that has produced tears from one of our listeners. At least that's been reported upon. I've produced several tears from our <laughs> listeners. Oh, but I'm not. Okay. Fat yeah. tears. What yes, happened? From what was tears. it? Um, last time you were on, we discussed, uh, I don't know, patriotism or something like that. And you oh, had made the point, yeah, yeah. you made the point that, um, as Christians in the current political state that we're in with Donald Trump, that we may need to consider soon whether or not we need to harbor and hide Muslims from the state. And, uh, that brought some but one listener to tears yeah it actually uh did convict it. that's true it, that's it cool. convicted that's her really cool yeah it is very cool i think thought it was really cool the feedback was that uh that brought this listener to tears and that they wished we would kind of discuss things like that a little more huh. which is interesting because the other day we were talking you huh. and i tyler about um how if you are living in a Christian nation, mm-hmm. that nation ought to be the place where people of different religions would flock to for religious freedom. Yeah. Do you have any, can you, uh, can you further <laughs> speculate on that? I think that's true. I think that's the only place where like, um, we can, a Christian nation would be a place where we could have like the most security and like our beliefs. But also, like, not condemning people for theirs. Yeah. Because, like, simply appealing to the Imago Dei. Just simple, just that simple doctrine of, like, everyone being equal um, would actually have people um, care for other people's beliefs. Have you heard of the Acton Institute? No. Okay, so it's um, mainly, uh, it has... uh, Catholic and uh, Protestants who get together and talk about uh, ethics, economic mm-hmm. issues, different stuff. Uh, and I believe I had a book um, and he wrote, it was called The Moral Case for Liberty. Mm. So it was actually a moral argument for why liberty is a good thing and even some biblical arguments of, and it wasn't some uh, nationalistic um, pie in the sky American ideal. He actually went to the Bible of, no, like, yeah, I'm a Calvinist, but there is a degree that liberty is seen as a good thing and allowed on earth, even when they may not 100% agree with our faith 
or right. necessarily truth, and that there actually was a moral argument for it, and that actually allowing liberty, uh, especially like religious freedom, actually was more beneficial to sometimes evangelism versus trying to force it. Yeah. And so, so I, I and I read this like two years ago, so don't quote me on yeah. it, but it, it was kind of interesting. I actually thought of you a little bit when I had read, because it just, it had some decent arguments and it didn't strike me as, okay, it's this party trying to strong arm me. It actually, yeah, the moral yeah. case for liberty, about a hundred pages, and it was just point by point, and here's my argument. So. Yeah, because I mean, the biggest thing is like, we... As Christians, like, we just straight up believe we're right. And if we can, like, rest in that, we can actually let people have their say in a real a real discussion. Hmm. You mean the fact that we're right shouldn't cause division? No. <laughs> Weird. To cause conversation. Because why would you feel insecure if you know you're right? Like, if you're... Right. If you're, if you're right, yeah. if you're right, just have the conversation... With mm. all the confidence of being right, but yeah. all the gentleness of being like, hey, my argument will never win anyone to Christ. Yeah. So when people are Jeez. saying that certain uh, people groups or even religions are corrupting moral standards mm. within a society, are you saying that they you doth doing, protest too much? Well, let's give an example. So, like, for example, <laughs> uh, people say... Be really specific. You know what's wrong with America mm. is the gays. Yeah. They are ruining the sanctity of marriage. Yeah. So you're saying if people were secure in their marriages right. and even in their heterosexuality, they yeah. wouldn't have any reason to lash out at the homosexual community for ruining the sanctity of marriage? You, you shouldn't. Maybe, like, I mean, you guys talk about it a lot, like... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Just, uh, like... Being able to be comfortable in where you're at and providing a better story, a better narrative, a better gospel. Mm, mm. That's huge. So it's like as Christians, we should be um, more identified with what we're about, like what we actually affirm than what we actually are denying or standing against. That's a big difference. That's huge. That's a huge difference. If we say... um, Take any issue, like if we almost take the positive spin, and it's not necessarily like trying to be political, but like, um, like I mean, brought it up before. Let's bring up abortion. Like, we're against abortion, but more than that, we should be for families. Mm. Absolutely, we should be for the raising of children as a blessing. And not a curse. Not a curse or a hindrance. Yeah. So, like, let's stand up for what we are for before we start saying why we're against anything. Huh. See? Yeah, that's And then the world world can agree with us on a lot of stuff. But once we say we're against it, you already bring in negative negative words into it and actually (laughs) um, gives you a negative um, feedback. Well, and what if we – what if we – all right. Especially because you see, uh, I was talking to Bobby Grossi. Mm-hmm. Um, he was talking about how there's kind of been this shift and guys, I, I, you know, I haven't done a ton of research on this, but it kind of clicked with me. Um, how World War II era, it almost was, it's right because I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. It was like there was a duty. So you just do it. Then the next generation was, it's right because I've thought it through. And then next generation is, it's right because it feels right. In a generation where now it's much more the emotional experiences in the front. And I'm not saying emotions are evil, but now it's like we've kind of swung the other way where it's so much emotion. Mm-hmm. And people being so storytelling oriented, because we brought this up with the culture. 
like there was laws being passed about, you know, uh, we, you know, oppose this with same sex marriage mm-hmm. or oppose this. And yet the culture was still being lost in the argument yeah. because they were having oh. personal discussions. They were having TV shows. They were having dialogue. Yeah. They were telling a more compelling story relation. So we were going, Oh, this law got passed, but still we're losing the argument because people were going, yeah, but I'm seeing these shows and this art and these movies that I don't know. It's just better. It's making yeah. me sad. With storytelling, I wonder if, if some of these issues, what if we told them better? Like, what if just saying, all right, you're so focused on I'm against abortion. What about this? What if I could show you what a really pro-life society look like? Yeah. What if you walked out the door, yeah. woman, Islam, child, adult, poor, rich, and felt that everyone affirmed your dignity? your worth, that there actually was mutual respect, there was integrity, and you actually thought, wow, they see me as a true human and were valued, not just for what you could bring to the table, not some utilitarian or pragmatic thing, but really as a human, what if that was our society? They go, well, I'd, I'd kind of like a society like but that. What if, like, then you preach the gospel and say, that's what our God wants. Yeah. it. I feel like not just giving my view, but giving it a beautiful of, well, but I have an uncle in prison and he has dignity and worth. What? Even him? Even him. Even him. It, and, and what if you went to jail because I'm pro-life? It didn't have to be the end. What if you could be no. redeemed? Yeah. What if you still, uh, like in the old days, prison wasn't the end of the story. Yeah. What if we actually saw people restored instead of just punishment? And just, I feel like we could tell a story. It's like when people talk about heaven, they go, oh, clouds and angels. What a, that is, that sounds boring. boring. Yeah. Versus a new redeemed cosmos. So I think, the storytelling, I, I agree with you. What we're for, and then what we're for, tell how beautiful and attractive yeah. it is. And I, I trust, I trust the spirit will do the re- the spirit will do the work. Yeah. So I don't know. So like if we're secure, stop interrupting. Her. So we're <laughs> if we're secure in our our Christianity, yeah, and our beliefs on who God is, how salvation works, yeah. who Jesus is, um, who the Holy Spirit is, all of those uh, working together for. Not only our salvation, but the world being redeemed. We don't need to attack other groups and bring them down to prove that they aren't legit. Yeah. Because proving that a group isn't legit it no longer becomes the main goal. Showing how legit our ideology or religion is would become more important. Yeah, it's like Jesus said... The world will know you're my disciples by love. Yeah, and unity. And right? so, and then like that doesn't mean like pointing out inconsistencies is wrong because I would say like that's actually pretty loving to say, hey, listen, actually your worldview doesn't actually line up to the the way that you're living, Absolutely. and and your worldview actually lines up to the Christian worldview. Now tell me why that is. The no. question, like, That's start, start, start yeah. hitting the question why at a foundational level of what, if we're all accidents of protoplasm acting on protoplasm, why do you care if anyone gets murdered? Why do you care if anyone gets raped? Or we're, feminism. We are yeah. all an accident. Yeah. Why don't you tell me why? I know why. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a reason for why you actually don't. Got him. Yeah, but even having that discussion sometimes I think is more charitable than most Christians would would offer. Or would give a – I don't think Christians are willing to have a charitable discussion that way versus being like, no, you're wrong. Exactly. Yeah, it's a discussion Which not, is interesting not yelling at them. Because we – from our perspective, 
as white evangelical Western Christians, we would say that Islam is incompatible with America because we would say, you guys are Mm -hmm. constantly trying to destroy the infidel and it's, it's, we're the enemy and there's no way that we could ever have this discussion. But we do the exact same thing. And we call it charitable or we act like it's being charitable, but we do the exact same thing and say, you're not compatible with us. Right. How amazing would it be where we could say, Hey, we want to hear your story. We want to hear discussion about our compatibility and we want to show you how we can be welcoming to you as humans and how you may or may not be able to be just as welcoming to us. Right. And all of a sudden that becomes attractive. They not say, treat Oh my them gosh. Like a brace girdle from hard bottle. Exactly. Like a human. <laughs> exactly. But treat all, them like a human. It all goes back to like, what narrative are you believing? What narrative yeah. are you being spoken about? Like if you're just believing like the media and what a culture is telling you, you're not coming to like a gospel centered, uh, ideology on these things you're just simply believing what's being told from this perspective you believe in uh this state where we could harbor muslims and say that or homosexuals like i'm not not gonna discriminate against who we're gonna keep safe yeah but anybody who's a human the fact that they're image bearers yeah we would harbor and protect and love and show compassion towards them what do you do when ISIS is going to behead somebody unless um, you like and share the post? Dang it, Sean. No, I'm just curious. Well, don't what, you, don't what do you know do? that each shares 10 prayers, though, Sean? That's you what I'm you're saying. You're not understanding that. It's that's been what very I'm saying. clear. You're if you don't share it, I mean, even though that's yeah. spreading a false narrative, how do you not share that? Because you're going to yeah. you're signing a death warrant on Christians. Yeah, you are. Because well, God's a genie, and like he needs like at least 20 people to agree before he can act. You know, the other thing that I should say is sometimes... Should you say it? I'm just wondering at this point. Sometimes I'm super sarcastic or I play the devil's advocate and I like goad Seth into saying what both Seth and I believe. Right. But I'm never the one who says it. Has to say it. Seth's always the one who explains it better and um, with gooder words. (laughs) But I am always the one who asks that question. So a lot of people... I think who I've talked to who listen to the podcast, they go, sometimes we question your Christianity, Sean. <laughs> Some of the views you have. And I go, they're not actually views. I'm actually just cr- trying to create discussion. I- I'm just creating a dialogue. <laughs> I'm just, it's like Stephen Furtick when he preaches. Oh, we're just, exactly. Doing, we're, we're just, we're rapping, bro. We're just chatting back you, and forth. You question exactly. his Christianity? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I question. <laughs> I questioned him laying down on the stage. I was like, dude, I'm laid back, but I don't take a nap by the, uh, by the, oh, man. By the pool. It, he said something like that. He goes, we're, I'm not preaching, just dialogue. It was some, and then he laid down by a speaker. I was like, and you know, what the funny thing was, I went, I thought of when my back was hurt, I was preaching. I was like, man, that looks comfortable. Dude, I, I, so I heard somebody use, uh, furtic as like an adjective. Mm. They'd be like, man. That sermon was pretty furtic, bro. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. And they'd be like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. Is, is I should have tightened this up." <laughs> I don't know. I think you know, non-dom. You can't trust uh, those non-dom. Pentecostal Baptist, which means non-dom. <laughs> it really does. Do. Well, yeah. All right. So I want to ask Tyler a question um, after I check my email. No. Um, so Tyler, 
A lot of people aren't going to know his term. I think when you describe it, mm-hmm. they're going to go, oh, that's what I believe in yeah. worship. Um, but, uh, <laughs> no, eh, see, this is something I do need to apologize for. Um, I think you should actually look up the definition. Is like legitimately. Um, I need to make sure on this, we know we're joking, but I want to convey it is lighthearted. I'm totally okay with people disagreeing with my dad is elder at his church and he's Arminius. We do not agree on some big things, but I'm okay with people disagreeing. I'm not attacking these people. And Stephen Furtick, I'd be down to, I don't know why he does play pogs or I don't know, watch TV show with him, but I would question him with stuff. Are you, are those devil rocks? What are those a scotch rocks? Yeah. Scotch They're rocks. delicious. They're just pop rocks for adults. Um, uh, Tyler, I want you to kind of uh, go over a little bit, and I'll look up the definition while you're talking because we don't have money, so we can't afford to pay someone right. like Joe Rogan. Uh, statism. Statism. What is it, and how do you feel about it? I'm looking it up now, and it is, let me see. Oh, gosh, not statistics. Stupid sausage fingers from boxing. My hands are just ruined. Oh, there we go. All right, statism. So it is defined... A political system in which the state has substantial centralized control over social and economic affairs. And here's the thing. The reason I want you to kind of nuance it out is sometimes, and I've learned this, sometimes I feel etymology is not enough because mm-hmm. it'll say, well, here's the root of the word. And then culturally you go, no one's used it that That's way in like 400 years. Because yeah. I've seen that like some people have used the word religion. Originally it was, oh, it's right. the thing that binds. We don't really use a lot of that term right. now, something that binds stuff together. So statism, um, what is it and how do you feel about what, what are questions, concerns? How would you convey it to someone who goes, Hey, I have no clue what you're talking about. Statism. I feel like in my opinion, and I have to state that so clearly, it's my opinion, um, that statism is actually like a modern day religion of the government being God and the almighty sovereign. So, looking to the government to um, help you in all situations, provide for you all wealth, happiness, property, like whatever. Like you're looking to the state as a sovereign versus God as the sovereign. So it's, it's kind of a, it's a religious thing okay. at, at its core. Why would people find that beneficial <clears throat> or do people find that beneficial? Did I burn my eyebrows? Statism? Just real quick. Did I burn my eyebrows? Just a little bit. I can yeah. smell it. Are they burnt? I can't tell. Are you lying? It's dark in here. Are it's they like burnt? A, I can like smell. I don't know, but I can smell the. I can smell burnt hair. That's the worst. I went smell. like this, and it was. I was all. How about I light it like this? <laughs> <laughs> so find what Sorry. find what, what beneficial? Why would they find it attractive? This idea of statism of the government having so much control over their lives and not burning their eyes. And surely they wouldn't say that. They'd be I like, think I'm I, a statist. I think it's like what you could get out of it, though. It's beneficial. Simply getting stuff. I mean, that's that's kind of. Are like you talking a, about Democrats? No, I'm. Are you talking about liberals? I liberal in what sense? <laughs> you got to nuance that out. Oh. If, it, if it's liberal Christianity, I would say that it actually led to statism because they started reading the scripture as if it was some kind of like they took all the spirituality out of it and made it all practical. And if like God is not spiritual and the scriptures aren't spiritual, then you need another sovereign to, to um, mend all your ails. They so took the, it as like a political manifesto. Yeah, so what's the biggest, what's the biggest 
um, and baddest um, form of sovereignty that you can go to if there's no God, it's the government. So the government will save you. So that's pretty similar, I think, to what I hear from people who really are passionate and emotional about protecting their gun rights. So like nuance, nuance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They appeal. Play, play out the argument. I like guns and yeah. weapons and I think they're great. And I definitely think I believe in the original meaning of the <laughs> Constitution. Yeah. Yes. Right. But even the part about Native Americans. <laughs> but <laughs> when it when it, when I'm talking about guns, but <laughs> I don't believe there's a biblical foundation for saying that I should have weapons, have a right to have weapons. Uh, so then I appeal to the, the second in line sovereignty, which is the United States government to say, well, the constitution and this things, and then I can make a case for keeping my weapons. Is there a biblical case for weapons? Is no. there, is there any, no, not at all. There's like no narratives that say like, oh, these people don't have weapons. So they had to fashion, fashion their own weapons to overthrow the rulers. There's no, like Ehud had to fashion his own weapon. Why? Cause the government took it. <laughs> yeah. But I definitely, there's no prescription to say that I have a right to or have like weapons. Saul is an oppressive ruler. And he, the first thing he does is takes over all the blacksmiths. Why? Cause he can make all the weapons. Would, would we, this is my question. No, cause this is interesting. Cause this will, and I don't want to get too far away from statism. Cause it's well, I think play- it's all wrapped up. Yeah, though. Yeah. Like how much, how much power do you want to give the government? Yeah. The sovereign? Rule of everything? Because I would say this, and I want to hear your feedback on this, Tyler. So with weapons, I think they're permitted. I think you can make an argument for self-defense. I would question maybe when someone says, no, it's a God-given right. right, Like I can demand of church or God that, hey, I have a right as opposed to, no, I think it's permitted. I think sometimes it's necessary. And I think sometimes in opposition to tyranny, it's necessary versus, um, like I believe, um, we have to affirm people are made in the image of God. I believe yeah. God alone yeah. deserves worship. Like there are, like the God given right to live and worship God. I believe that's a God given right of no, all creation has the right to worship him. Mm-hmm. But would we say, no, it's a God given right. You have to be allowed to have guns. And if not, you can overthrow the government doing so. I, I would say there's actually like, I think a fairly good argument to say that thou shalt not murder is actually not just not killing people and not murdering them, but actually protecting life. Absolutely. I agree. So Absolutely. If, okay. if in protecting life, that means you owning a gun to protect your family. I think you're actually keeping that commandment. So would you say so, God given right? It's got, it might be a commandment. Okay. But I don't know. Like that yeah, I mean but, like we got I think there's a lot of nuance there, but let's see? talk about it. Right? I agree. And so protect and I agree their, with so, your So like statement. thou should not steal is actually like help your neighbor earn wealth. Yes. So there's a positive there. So yeah. that's where I'm saying where there isn't enough scriptural nuance to say that I deserve to have a 40 cal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And there's maybe not even enough, it's maybe not even a descriptive enough in the Constitution to say, I deserve to have a 40 cal. But you can use definitely a lot of prescriptive biblical things to say why sure. a 40 cal would be wise. 
like you just did, yeah. protecting your family. I thought that was a good, yeah. Which is really good. <clears throat> but I read a lot more pre- very specifically prescriptive stuff, especially in New Testament writings yeah. that talk about laying down your rights. Right. And yeah. setting aside yeah. not the safety of your family, but setting aside things that you don't find a problem with for somebody that does find right. a problem with them. So I think like – and I had a discussion with some guys from the church a couple of years ago about like, okay, what about martyrism? Like if someone's going to come in and suit up the church, do you fight back? And ultimately uh, ultimately said, I think I have the right to, but I'm going to lay it down. Hmm. So it's like, still a right, but you're laying it but down. But I can lay it down. Yeah. See, that's the beauty about our rights. For the gospel and for like to show how beautiful the kingdom is, we get to lay those down. So I, I think we're yeah. allowed to. I think there's like – not a biblical mandate to to defend yourself, but I think you have the ability to or not. You yeah. could, yeah, exactly. And if that means if that means guns, because bad guys have guns and they are trying to murder, and I'm trying to thou shall not murder. Maybe I'll kill them because killing isn't murder. Uh, I agree. There are and two Hebrew case, words: one for killing and yeah, one for and murder. There, and there's case law in Deuteronomy and Numbers to say that. It's not murder when someone breaks into your house and you strike them right. and they're dead. And you can strike somebody without a gun. And I guess that's the thing is like, how can we protect life yeah. the most while still defending yeah. life at the same good. time? Yeah. Where do you find the best balance of that? Is it everybody being, everybody having their, their ARs, you know? And protecting their right to have their ARs and making sure Obama doesn't take them from them. Right. Or is it starting with education and reaching at-risk youths so that they never end up going to shoot a church at some point? I mean, there's a lot of yeah, discussion so to be had in ways. that area. It's a lot. I mean, it is a jumbled mess, really, especially at where we're at in history. Well, well, statism. Hold on. One, one of the yeah. things, um, but but statism, you tie it in by saying like, how much do we appeal to the state to save yes. us? Yes. So statism, like perfect example. Someone says, um, well, you know, uh, I'm not worried about that. The cops would come and they have right. this. It's so funny. They have this hundred percent faith. No, the cops would show up. And I kind of looked at him. I said, I says to Mabel, I says, um, no, I told him, I was like, so you are confident. No, they're the ones like keeping you safe. Right. That, that they'll just rush you. They'll be at your house. I go, yeah. I go, why do you own a gun? And they go, well, if someone breaks in, I need to defend myself. I go, but the cops will get there. They'll save you. And they're like, well, but they might not make it in time. I go, oh, because they're fallible human agents yeah. who should should be peacemakers. But you're putting all trust them or this. All right. This is going to be super unpopular. Okay. But, but statism, <laughs> statism says, though, right there, that the cops have ultimate authority yep. it, versus calling them citizens with guns. Mm-hmm. Are they security officers or are they are they are they the priests of the of the of the religion? No. I, I, Are they the Levites purging the evil? I brought this up with, um, cause everyone wants the argument to be on one side or the other with, um, with gay marriage. Whenever someone asked me about it, they wanted me to say yay or nay. And one of the things I asked was, I said, Hey, I, I'm not, you know, going against what the Bible affirms with sexuality between right. man. I'm not going against it. I, but I asked a question and I didn't get the best response. I said, should the government be the one determining right. who gets to get married or determine? Because before they said black and white people can't get married. Right. They've made that call before. Should they be the ones to decide that? Because also the idea of, I find this a little odd because back in the day, you would get married between, you know, a fishing, a priest, most likely or a pastor. Mm-hmm. 
And then you'd go and you'd file maybe a record or some, uh, you know, or sign something like public record. We got married. Right. But the state wasn't doing it versus now you need to get a license, AKA ask permission of from the state. You need to get a license. Yeah. Us, us condoning basically saying, okay, appeal to the sovereign. Yeah. (laughs) We give you permission to get married and we say what age, what type of people Mm. is it the government? Can you biblically say it's the government's job Mm. to decide? Who gets married? I see it saying it's a sword. I don't see it saying it should decide no, who gets married. They've overstepped their bound there. I th- but, I think so. It but, wasn't received well. But, but um, <laughs> there's there's like biblical case for them to be able to reinforce contracts. So maybe That's there are true. maybe they're supposed to be there um, if something goes bad in the marriage to actually litigate. But Paul so says. Register but it. Paul says that we should actually do our own court. I I so agree. so yeah. who do we go to? The crazy thing when it comes the to marriages—they uh, have lots of councils. Come on! I performed marriages in Nevada, Oregon, and California. California, I feel like has the best policy. When I call California, I go, "Hey, I want to make sure that when I perform this marriage, that it's all good." You know, I don't yeah. want to accidentally tell somebody that they're married and they're not actually. And they just said, "Hey, we don't care." We're, yeah. we're, yeah, this is a religious thing and we don't care. As long as really? you're a religious agent, I haven't done one in California. You do whatever okay. you yeah. need to do. But California do is hailed as the most, uh, liberal and offensive and anti conservative governing yeah. entity that exists in right. our state. Well, they are just the worst. So, <laughs> so, like, there's this pastor named, uh, Matt Truella. And if you guys want to go check out his website, it's, uh, defytyrants.com. <laughs> But anyways, oh, it's like, it's like good stuff, but whatever, like take it, like don't believe it all is gospel, no, uh, but he's performed all the marriages he's performed. He's never performed a marriage with a marriage license. Wow. Cause he says it's not legit. Wow. Really? <laughs> that's I said, awesome. that's God's ceremony, not yours government. That's awesome. You, you tyrants. What, uh, is he non-denom? Denom- I think he, I think he's a presby. Of course he or is. Or he's like a really reformed Baptist. Just really, uh, Dude, yeah. So, but like, that's, I another think that's way, badass. Like, I agree. Like, I, I don't do. think the go- you don't need the permission from from the government to be married. I I told a couple. All right, all right. I'll say this. <laughs> so, I performed a wedding, and the couple said, "Oh, here's the paperwork." I go, "Uh, that's not the permit or a license. This is like mm-hmm. the introduction stuff." And they go, "Wait, are we not married?" I go, "No, hold on." Yeah. I go, you just did a covenant before God. Yep. You are married. Would they be in sin if they slept together? Yeah. No. Absolutely not. No. Nope. And I said, if you want to, when you get to that next state because of legal, th- I, I sure. said, I'm not against you yeah. going and get a license. I go, before me and the universal church of Christ, you are married. married. They're both Union. believers. They swore a covenant. It was before God. They took communion together with witnesses. Yeah. With witnesses yeah. And they made that vow before God. I was like, that's garbage. You're married. Mm-hmm. I've, and and I had no, I had no guilt or conviction. I actually no. felt freedom in saying mm-hmm. that. Absolutely. And church authority played into that. Absolutely. I was. Oh yeah. A commissioned elder, and this was affirmed by the elders who saw right. that yeah. they were getting married. They were getting married as believers, yeah. and they were covenant members in our church. Because we have the danger of people saying, "Oh, we're married before God in God's eyes." Right. I can see that. And they're that's like the they're just having sex. Yeah. yeah. They're just boning. Yeah. <laughs> With no commitment, right? Yeah, yeah nothing. No there, commitment other than like a, a fake one. No, it wasn't a blood covenant before God. It was, I, I want to look at that website later. That's interesting. One it's way Truler? I've been there. Truler? Yeah. Trulia. Matt Trella. 
Truella. We both got wrong. We're all Chipotle. One way that I feel like we subscribe to statism without even necessarily knowing it is in technological advancements, I guess, or mm -hmm. even, even furthering science. You know, we like, I don't know. This is probably getting in the weeds a little bit, but like we look to NASA yeah. to do space exploration. Yeah. Or we, we expect the government and the FDA to determine what the daily They've caloric intake. They've done a fantastic intake. job too. Yeah. So good. America's when they, all obese and dying. They did the right? food triangle upside down, right? And we trusted them. <laughs> we believed that they were going to save they us. They had our best interest in mind. And exactly. Or, and know. that is the problem because yeah. The government sucks at doing everything. Yeah. Why would we trust them with things so important, to, I mean, like our is, daily? Is there intake? anyone here that works for the government, guys? Do you yeah. want to admit to anyone? I don't. Well, I, do I? I? Yeah, we both do. I don't care. How Even efficient? How efficient is it? Oh my gosh! Not and that's local government. It's yeah. like a drunk toddler no. with scissors running in an earthquake. It's just <laughs> not terribly. That's why, I mean, that's why Trump's going to drain the swamp. <laughs> well, and and I'm not even saying necessarily like we would say. We would uh, say our our. This is the most unpopular views I've stated. We would say our governing well, system, like our our economic system, capitalism. Yeah takes care of that but that's mm. not necessarily true when you have these government entities intermixed yeah messing with it and regulating mm -hmm. things incorrectly so like for example like we have elon musk right yeah and he's like driving i don't know it's a buzzword but he's driving some type of of development as far as like Science, yeah. and space exploit—they all laugh at goes. them too. They're all how stupid the government's supposed to do. And that. it's uh, even yeah. then, it's super disappointing. And I know, like he—he's got a public yeah. company and he's incapable of doing stuff. But like, like solar energy is obvious. Oh, yeah. It should be great, but it sucks. It's so expensive. It doesn't work. I've had people come out and say and do like a consultation, and solar energy is like not effective for the consumer unfortunately like it's like a good idea it's a great idea but you, the warranty for these solar panels is 10 years but you're not going to make your money back for 30 years mm -hmm. it just doesn't it doesn't make sense yeah and it can make sense and this and here's a frustrating thing i'm so disappointed in solar energy because like i went to a zoo one time <laughs> and they had this little display yeah. with solar panels and it's like point this solar panel towards the sun yeah. and see how much this gauge reads on energy mm -hmm. and then point it in the shadow and see, and literally like pinpointing the direction, holding the panel perpendicular to the sun perfectly mm -hmm. makes a huge difference. Yeah. So I don't even know what it was, but let's say I'm, I'm generating 10 Watts by holding it directly to the sun. Mm -hmm. If I hold it just two degrees off, all of a sudden I'm only generating two Watts. Okay. And we don't have any solar panels that you can put on houses that actually track the sun Same. and point to the sun. How hard is that to do? Give me a break. I don't know. We it's 2018. We can't figure that out. It's freaking it, ridiculous. It's money though. Like think about money. So we brought go. up guns already. Like <laughs> we brought up a lot. <laughs> so like the billions and billions of dollars that are played in or paid into our defense for ways to kill each other. Yes. Like let's put um. 
all of that, if not a good majority of that, <laughs> into research for actual beneficial life. Yes, so exactly. Like but graphing. that would help people flourish, Tyler. I'm I know, confused. it's crazy. But then, yeah, it's like we would have some power, <laughs> literally, in our houses. Um, but also, like, yeah, we would actually, like, be a beneficial country and not have to worship the god of the state still. Well, and how awesome would it be if the church was behind scientific the best yeah. science, development? Best well, art. But why are you going to brass or polish the brass on the sinking... Shit. The Titanic, you know, exactly. Why are you going to do that? What You know what's another well, good thing we've always been able to trust the government with is uh, substances. Um, mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, right. we're like, the war on drugs. And everyone goes, well, we can trust the government. And then an official comes out, admits, comes out from the Nixon administration, goes, oh, the war on drugs, we were targeting anti-war protesters and black people and poor white people. You're like, what? He comes out, admits this. Yeah, the CIA and, and was yeah, used... <laughs> to destroy minority populations. It's it's like it's funny to me because well no it's not it's just devastatingly tragic. Um I don't here's the thing. I just I think this is so important to have these discussions versus well a pundit said it on TV. Mm-hmm. That's not enough. I've brought up church fathers, tradition, scripture, uh the brotherhood, the church. Yeah. Have these discuss- here's the thing. I can appreciate and this has happened with Tyler, with our friend James, with you, Sean. I can appreciate someone disagreeing with me, especially when they have a biblical basis where I go, that's a pretty dang good argument of why versus, well, this guy said this. Well, right. he's not a theologian. He's not a Christian. Well, but, and they, and they, Glenn, were, Glenn Beck said it. Yeah. They Alex said, Jones said it. they give me a bunch <laughs> of fear based reasons or slippery slope or pragmatism. And I go, no, I, I genuinely am, dude, I desire it. For the church to be able to, when we respond to a culture, say, you know what? Uh, based on this creed, based on mm-hmm. this thing, we affirm this. We think this helps life flourish and not just saying, why shouldn't we do things or what, you know, how, what can we get away with of like, well, the Bible doesn't specifically, you know, say we can't. So we'll try. What about going? No. Why should we? And, and yeah. to what degree? And can it be better? And can we do? I don't know. Why don't you go to the scripture, actually think about it <laughs> and ask that the Holy Spirit that's indwelling in you to reveal some stuff mm. versus, versus mm. being like, what is the best oh, human, what's the best human argument? I know it's kind of hard to do for Christians to turn off media for their arguments and go to scripture. We, did we talk about oh, CRISPR Tyler. last time you were here? Yeah. Oh, dude, they're okay. explained on, on Netflix has CRISPR Glovin yeah. has a, <laughs> It's like a probably a twenty minute Explained. um a twenty minute documentary on, yeah. on genetic um modification. Fantastic it was amazing. Series. Yeah. And it's great to think of it like look at the science and then actually process it, it through the Christian worldview. Yeah. And I Which brought you it should up. be doing in all media, <laughs> but like even easier to do like with something like that we've already talked about. I brought it up last time. And you guys didn't know about it and I, thought I was talking about cereal. I thought it was, I thought it was like, uh, science fiction or right, like an idea. Right. It's legitimately, but it's like, a could real happen. thing. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, the, the thing that I think a lot of the conservatives are saying is that it's playing God, right? Right. That you're manufacturing your children to be born with blue eyes or right. something like that. All of the use cases that I've seen happen. And not even in humans yet. I mean, it's still... And just because it can do that doesn't mean we have to use it that way. Exactly. Sorry. But part, so- part of that's legit because, like, if you watch that documentary, what they'll do is they'll they'll in, they'll in um, fertilize um, five different embryos and then actually take the genetic 
material of that and say like, okay, we can predict pretty close to what this person is going to be like and implant that embryo into the woman. And what are they doing with the other ones? Well, they're either keeping them and those are humans Mm. or they're getting rid of them and they're murdering people. So in a part, yeah, I can see that. Are we playing God with that? It's Absolutely. Ca- it's and called that's Explained. That's the document. It's explained. called Explained. It's so good. Yeah, it's very good. It's like 20-minute uh, documentaries on a whole lot of they stuff. They break it down. I recently so read an article where this hasn't gone forward to human genomic. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you call it. Geonomes. It hasn't affected humans yet, but they've successfully like eradicated a genetic disease mm-hmm. in sheep. Was it sheep, Seth? It was sheep. They were able to even, I thought there was one where they said, yeah, a certain animal, they go, we can get rid of this type of cancer. Mm-hmm. And you know what the interesting thing was? So my dad is having some health stuff. It would actually pertain to him. Mm-hmm. I do think I, I don't see anything wrong with, Hey, we could actually stop cancer and do certain things, uh, especially, have you seen some of these kids who get cancer? It's like yeah, a totally. five-year-old with cancer. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not against that. I'm Obviously, not, if yeah. there's no corp, corporeal cost, if people aren't dying or dying. people aren't being sacrificed yeah. in order to do this. Yeah. But not if, eugenics or I think genetic. If, like, when Ryan Smith was on here, he brought up like, oh, where, where did all that research happen from? Is right. it from? Oh. Like, was it all bad in the beginning? Right. But that's what I'm saying. Instead of of subscribing to statism and trusting the scientists, and that was finger quotes, or them, the government, or whoever to figure it out, what if, what if it was Christianity who was figuring these things out? And you could know, you could feel certain that there was no immoral means to that end. Right. You know what I mean? You could say, oh, we didn't do these experiments because this was overseen by this Christian group or something like that. Could we, too, with this? All right. And it's just, here's the thing. I know we sometimes can hit a little harder on, like, and I get it, personality and different experiences. Sometimes we hit a little harder on the religious right, the moral majority, blah, blah, blah. First off, one... I think both parties have failed the church because they're not supposed to be our leaders. We're supposed mm-hmm. to be the ones coming. So it's not just Republicans. I have issues with stuff. Democrats and the left says too. Uh, we can't just say, well, it's just because both systems are these human systems. I mean, yeah. they're not even designed to do that. They're not even meant to because we go, oh, they're failing. Yeah. They were never meant to. They're not our king well, too. Yeah. I, I want to say this. I think sometimes, and I'm trying to be charitable, Sean, I think sometimes why maybe you, me, and possibly Russell Moore maybe hits on that side more the right. Yeah. And I'm nothing, I'm conservative. On, well, I'm going to say I'm kingdom minded, but you're conservative. Would, you're not a Republican. Yeah, That's yeah. a big difference. We got to put they, uh, through. It's, it's not because I hate them. It's because I don't feel there was as big of a movement of the church to hitch itself to the left as it did the right. Yeah. And because that's much more ingrained, that's the one I see more conflict with. Yeah. There is a, there is a Christian left. It's just, they don't have nearly as much influence. And I didn't grow up combating that as much, which yeah. is, cause I want to make that clear. I am not by any means going, Oh, everything conservative. No, left and right failed us. And yeah. there's things I can affirm on both sides and things I can deny on both sides. I just want to be clear about that because totally. I really am. I, I do not. I look and I go, oh, I can affirm this on the conservative side and mm-hmm. denounce. And then the liberal side can go, oh, this is good. And others, uh, abortion. I go, no, I, I denounce that. I don't think it helps yeah. me flourishing. It's against the modern. It's, mer- you know, mer- I have to so. say too that I do hit harder on the conservative right or the Christian right 
because I hold them to a higher standard. Because they're the they're more associated with Christianity, is that kind of or, or they they say they are, See, and okay. so I yeah. hold them to a higher standard. And here's here's the thing too, actually, Mark Mark Casares, our good old friend Mark Casares, on his now ended podcast um, Pizza Fortress, I I sent them an email, an angry email, because <laughs> they said that South Park is past its prime and and not relevant anymore. Fighting the good fight. <laughs> <laughs> and I argued that it was relevant and that it was good, but it doesn't matter. Anyways, Mark made a point. He said, like, the problem with the South Park writers is that they always take this centrist view and they say there's problems on both sides, the right and the left. Mm-hmm. And that they're equally to blame. And Mark said, and I, I don't know how I feel about this or not, but Mark said there is one side that's worse for humanity, for the universe, and it's the right. And I don't know how much I believe mm. that, but I do feel like the right I hold to a higher standard and they fail more consistently to that standard and so i bark at them more now i don't know that <clears throat> i don't know that the left is in like i don't know how you balance the effect well, to human flourishing yeah, and all of that it's hard to say but i do feel like the left sometimes is doing what they honestly feel is right and the right more often is doing what they honestly should know deep down in their soul is wrong, but doing it anyways. Does that make sense? Counter argument. Counter argument. (laughs) Go for it. So here's the thing. One, yeah, you're getting into, uh, so you have to quantify, okay, who's, who's ruined more. And I am not, I love Mark. I'm not, you know, judging. I, I would say this, and this goes back to statism thing. I notice my friends who are more right-leaning, when Bush was in office, he could do no wrong. They saw the good, the other side was evil. When Obama was in office, a lot of my left friends, not all, some were able to, you know, they had discussions, saw things. He could do no wrong, the right was evil. I I don't know that I can say, I, actually I wouldn't. Because when I look at when Clinton was in office, some of his crime bills, how that affected some poor areas. Um, and, and that was a bill that some uh, conservatives... Um, would have gone, man, I don't even know if we're going to go that far. And I can look at times with the Nixon administration. Um, I, I do sometimes focus a little more on the moral majority and all that because it's been hitched to Christianity. But as far as one side being worse or not, I mean, I could argue abortion and the millions who have died with that more on the left. I could argue the idea of killing terrorist children uh, on my friends more the right side. I don't, I don't know if I would agree with that. And because of human depravity and getting that high up in politics with power, mm-hmm. with money, with banks, I don't know that I would look and go, actually, no, I'll just say this, whether people disagree with me or not. And it's fine. You guys can call me off. I'm being arrogant on this. I, I don't think I would say that. I would look in both and go, they're humans in this huge power structure mm-hmm. that in some ways is more similar than we agree on both sides. One, though, I will sometimes give more focus simply because of its connection to church, not because I think one side's less evil. Because it just, I mean, you can look at eugenics, abort, there's so much. I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing the point on this. It's fine. I mean, but it still goes back to like, are we attributing to the state what we should be attributing to God? Yeah. So okay. we're looking to it 
as if it needs to fix itself versus saying, how about you guys get in the authority of God? Like actually go under the umbrella you're supposed to go. Hmm. Yeah. And that, yeah. and that, and that's a focus, um, in the middle. That's where Christian, Christians need to like vote your conscience, but like don't ascribe maybe to a party. I agree, oh, man. And we need to have Tyler on more but that, often. That's like legit though. Like yeah. how about think Christianly, not Democrat, Republican. That's tribalism. That's like, yeah. that's, that's pinning one against the other. When, especially Christians want to go more Republican, I would say, and then, yeah. and it's completely failed the church. I, I would say this is why I like the idea of instead of saying, and, and I get it because context matters and people understand what I'm saying. Instead of saying, well, I'm conservative on this or liberal on this, mm-hmm. saying, well, here's where I land that I feel in my perspective best represents uh, the kingdom or flourishing and lines up with my views yeah. versus, oh, well, I chose the conservatives on this and I chose the liberals on this. No, I, they don't get to, they don't get to set the terms. I don't look at them and go, okay, they dictate the standards and terms. Right. I come in and go, no, no, no. We're a, we're a kingdom coming in yeah. and I'm speaking truth to you. We have the truth and you guys are either on the side of Jesus or you're not. It's not, am I on your side? Like Joshua, he goes, are you with us? He goes, I am on the side. You know, this is God's army. Yeah. I'm on the side of the Lord. It does. So I don't know. That's kind of where I'm trying to land. Like even the term of, is it fetus or th-? I go, no, no, no. You don't get to define the terms. God did. Well, even fetus just means little child, I think in Latin. Does it? Yeah. Really? That's not, yeah, that's like a terrible argument. How about just call it a child and stop using Latin? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Stupid Latin. Thing. Let's yeah, talk about should. Latin. <laughs> Freaking. Uh, I think that I am, <clears throat> I could probably be considered a centrist. Um, I thought you were an Or an anarchist. anarchist. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Either way. But my whole point of view is is whether or not you vote right or left, it doesn't matter because it's so – the whole political – the state is so corrupt. And it's not even corrupt like for evil, greedy reasons. It's just corrupt because they suck. I mean I think greed's part of it. I think it's both. Greed and it sucks. It's a stay in power still. Yeah, it's that there's definitely power grabbing going on all over the place. But Back and forth on purpose. Without two parties there wouldn't absolutely. be like actual conflict among the people. I, I absolutely. And I don't I I wouldn't consider that greed. I consider that something else for altogether, power? but yeah, it's for, it's definitely the desire for power. Yeah. I think it's so like Why can't it be both? Why can't it be that so they suck and removed. they're greedy? No, that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. saying it's like it's like 20% greed. Yeah. <laughs> 45 percent, 27 percent power, uh, you're getting the power, and then everything else is just absolute ineptitude. But and then and then to stay in power, they just play off of. I mean, the Christian vote is a big vote in this in this country, absolutely. So, so what what is it's just a different carrot they dangle in front of us. We're gonna end abortion if you get our people in, in office, and they don't exactly because uh, abortion was legalized with a conservative um, Supreme Court. So <laughs> yeah. getting back to that, it's not going to help us. Yeah, uh, and how many people? If went- Trump with a with a stroke of the pen right now could end it, uh, he doesn't. Yeah, why? Weak. Well, we vote like the Christians help vote him in, and we've been lied to by the Republican Party for how long now? It could be an executive with this little, order with right? this little stick. Yeah, a little stick and carrot. Yep. How many? I'm going to laugh so fear, hard. Fear over here with the stick, and we'll dangle this carrot, and keep, we'll keep getting your votes, and we'll stay in power. 
I'm going to laugh so hard. All the people that I talked to during the Trump, the original 2016 Trump election, yeah. they said, you know, I don't like Trump. I can't, he's morally reprehensible. Right. But at least he's going to put the right justices in place. Right. <laughs> and, like in the current like, state. We'll bow to Nebuchadnezzar if he ends abortion. Exactly. Do you know uh, the report on this? During the Obama administration, and he said he was so pro-choice, abortion went down 10% during both his term. If you combine them, now obviously the number's yeah. kind of loose, but this was even reported by liberal and conservative. They all based on something else. But I don't think sometimes they're... Yeah, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. Here's what I see. Here's what I see. I'm Maybe, hitting the nail on the head by no, being an anarchist. Get out Thank of here. Because <laughs> I'm also going to bring up something, uh, ace up my sleeve in a sec. But um, So here's the other thing. I see a daily battle to win a PR war every day. So yeah. every every time there's an incident on either side or any time a, a, a senator gets caught, you know, with a prostitute or someone does something stupid, here's what they do. Each side goes, today, we have to show why we're the answer. The other side's the problem. We have to win the American public's like favor of why we're the answer and why, no, it's not as bad as you think, and we have all the right stuff, why the other side sucks, why you should support us, and it's every day, and you'll see it, like uh, a sander goes down, and they go, no, 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 here's why our sander is innocent, here's why theirs did first, mm -hmm. here's why we're not as bad, no, 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 here's why we still have your support, because it is that staying in office of power of, no, we have to continually keep the people's favor, so we will say, justify, or do whatever we can, if it means we keep the public eye of... You know, the perception of, no, 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 we're it. We're the ones you should be supporting. We're the, oh, you, you hate abortion? We, we do too. I, I really believe Richard Spencer, if he was running against a Democrat, and I hate to say this, if Richard Spencer was running against a Democrat, but had the right rhetoric about pro-life, there would be people who uh -huh. still vote for him because why? Well, he's pro, he's right on the issues. Yeah. yeah. He, he's right on the issues. They would be okay with his white nationalist views and the terms he's, yeah. if he came out and said, I promise I will oppose this baby murdering Democrat and I will not allow this with marriage. Yeah. I promise you, I believe they would still vote for him because here's the thing. During the Clinton years, what'd they say? Character matters. Character counts. We will never, we would never have a guy like this. No, we would never support a guy who treats women like that. <laughs> I think they would vote for Richard Spencer. My, my fear is like, okay, who's the who's the Democratic liberal Spencer? Oh my god! Because the because now with Trump, the country wants to sway the other way. So if you got a, kind of a quasi Bernie Sanders that's against abortion, that's all about the state. Like people are going to be like, oh, let's do that. Trump didn't work. Let's do that. A far far left guy who not only. He, he, not only is he pro-choice, he goes, stop apologizing for it. It doesn't need to be safe and rare. It needs to be unexcused, unapologized, just yeah. do whatever. Oh, it could go so, yeah, if you people don't think the left or right can go to, oh, you ain't seen nothing yet. We've seen it in history. It, jeez. So, Bernie Sanders, we're starting a commune, right? I, 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 well, I actually wanted to sabotage something real quick. And yeah. I talked to Tyler about this, but not you. So this you. was planned. This not was like planned. This. Not like this. And there's a connection to it. And Ty Tyler knows there's a connection. But Sean, this I is. I will not sign John MacArthur's <laughs> stupid thing. If no, that's, what you oh, want. that's not. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's I was literally going to sit down and be like, hey guys, what do you guys think about John MacArthur? <laughs> oh the gospel gosh. and social justice. <laughs> what? 
<laughs> no, I'm sabotaging you, Sean, and this is planned. All right. So this is a surprise debate between you and Tyler. Oh, surprise great. debate. And I am so happy because this is the first time I've been so traitorous on this. <laughs> it's going to be a eschatological. Is that how you would say it? Yeah. Eschatology debate. End so, times. So, oh, yeah. Piece of cake. So, Sean, you, and you cannot go into histrionics or mocking of Presbyterians. You will be defending pre-mill, historical pre-mill. Thank you. Dispensational pre-mill, right? <laughs> I can't defend the dispies. I thought you were a dispie. No, I'm historical, oh. but I just have a lot of views that are and, very close and, to dispies. And Tyler, uh, I'll just pick one at random post-mill. <laughs> yeah, that's so, the, the oh. right view. <laughs> so who do we want? <laughs> who do we want to go first? Um Tyler has not prepared for this who studied any of this. Yeah, so, of course. Who, I really, I really didn't, I didn't look into it. You've been studying it for Your like whole a serving year. Us about this. <laughs> it was, that was post-mill light. At, 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 that was it just really Christianity. Was. There you go. All right. So who do we want to go first? Because can I, mean, I exp- can I define? Yeah, define it. Yeah, I you believe. define yeah, it. Oh, I forget. Actually, this. I want Tyler to find both views. Because I think that's important. But first, can I just say that uh, having a pre-millennial view um, occasionally, not occasionally, often lumps you in. There's two pre-millennial views, a historical and a dispensational. Yeah. And the dispensational views are kind of wacky. And... um, and they're actually the ones that are most represented, I feel like, in media within American Christianity. So yeah. all the left behind books, right. all of the, you know, trumpets and, you know, the red state, the Kevin Smith movie was basically like, uh, an affront to dispensation, null premillennialist. And so, uh, I want to make it clear that I'm I'm not represented by those that we are people. less than Israel. I know you've stated it many times, <laughs> and yeah, and that's the other thing. Like things like oh, we need to support Israel because those are God's people. That's kind of a very dispensational view, and like that's mm. been the mainstream representation of Christianity. You in hate America. Palestinians, I know, <laughs> and so I just want to I just want to make that clear. Are you okay defining it, Tyler? Are you cool with defining both? Tyler, I don't know if I'm job. okay with defining. Tyler's much more. Why? Why don't? Like, no, no. This is part no, of the no, debate. No, you have to. You have to. You actually have to define it because I don't know. It's like, your, your view on the rapture. I don't know. Like right pre post. That's my view, but that doesn't represent all of pre. I know. No, no, no. But you're I just think defending, it's important. Defend your I think view. it's important. I will defend my view, but I think it's important to hear what your definition would be because I think that speaks a you're lot cheap. to your This is like a test. He's going, I already know this, but let's see if you know it. I don't know. Tyler, how about you define post? No, I want you to define. Okay. So I'll, I'll define premillennialism. Go ahead. Right now. Historical okay. premillennialism. On, on right. the very forefront of everything. <clears throat> Before you get into what the view and says this is about end times your, views, yeah, this is with Revelation, the coming of Christ in Revelation uh-huh. twenty, yeah, twenty twenty two. Is it Sean? if that's your view? <laughs> um, there's yeah. discussion about Christ returning to usher in a millennium of peace and some would say prosperity, mm-hmm. and so. My view is 
at the absolute highest level, my view is that I'm, I'm interpreting that literally in Revelation and saying that, yes, Christ is physically present. Jesus comes to earth and sets Mm -hmm. up his kingdom. A millennial kingdom. A millennial kingdom where for a thousand years there's peace. Yeah. But the, and the difficult part is even though there's peace for a thousand years, Satan isn't defeated yet. And, mm-hmm. um, sin hasn't left the world yet. And during that millennium, people turn away from Jesus. Yeah. And so, um, and I think you could say that's all a literal interpretation of Revelation. And, and you, but do you believe in a, let me help with some of this. Okay. So do you believe in a literal seven year tribulation? I, yes. Okay, so seven-year tribulation. Well, I believe in seven years as that term year in Revelation would have meant to the original audience. Which which, means, is, which could mean several things. Or a fullness. It could be seven years it or just a It could be seven, seven eons, essentially. So okay. it could be seven oh, amounts of time. Of so it's not – It's you're saying it's not literal there. Not literal okay. years because it doesn't use years. And, okay. and rapture is uh, – people who believe it is – do you believe People in the literal rapture? Into heaven. I believe in the literal rapture that Paul talks about where one person's grinding corn or right. something and then the other person's gone. Yeah. I don't believe that people are going to disappear and their clothes are going to be left there, but I believe people will be caught up into the sky mm-hmm. and uh, meeting the Lord and coming back down to rain for a thousand years. <laughs> yes. And do you, uh, yeah. do you, just so I'm clear, and then I want Tyler to find, and then we're on, and then it's game time. Do you uh, believe? That with Israel, that even if they don't believe in Jesus, you know, how, you know, people say they're God's people. Mm-hmm. Do you believe, no, the church is whoever believes in Jesus? Or do you think like, well, the Jews are kind of his original people and we kind of were like, you know, just the. I don't believe that just I'm being to be an ethnic Jew means you have salvation. No, I don't believe that. Okay. You don't think that – so because to me, God's people is whoever believes in Jesus and has been forgiven by yes, him. Yes, I believe grace. that exact same thing. But I do – and this is uh That God might still do something with Israel. Yeah, this is ancillary okay. to my premillennial. Mm-hmm. God promises land yeah. to each tribe of Israel, yeah. and I do believe that will happen. Okay. In but I don't believe that – I don't believe uh, either. Either one. And I don't believe that's salvific whatsoever. Okay. And do we have to make that happen, them get their land? Absolutely not. Okay. That could be Christ in his thousand years. But I'm, what I'm saying is I don't represent all historical pre-mills. Right. No, you do. I'm you not educated <laughs> and all of that stuff. So when it comes to the rapture and the tribulation, most historical pre-mills wouldn't say there's seven years. And most historical pre-mills wouldn't say there's a literal rapture. But it's like uh, – it's like – a quickening type of thing yeah. where a lot of people are a lot of people meet God, but not like in the sky by flying or okay. whatever. <laughs> but you, I believe in yeah. the flying. Do you want to name some theologians just so everyone has like context of who believes that? Who uh, like John Calvin, Martin Luther, <laughs> Augustine. No, for real. Christian for Martin. Real. You you really think those guys viewed viewed it that way? Uh no, I don't okay. I don't know who views what what Pre- way, but I do believe that Luther was a historical premillennial, and I think that's I somewhat strongly, true because yeah, he was. He I strongly like, believe he believed that, that he was living the end. Times. I believe yeah. that C.S. Lewis was a historical premill, 
And okay. I definitely believe that Augustine was. And I believe Paul was. <laughs> and Jesus, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so Tyler, no, I, so, I want to say for like, yeah. like Wayne Grudem believes this. Yes. Uh, yeah. John Mark Arthur, he's more on the dispensational side, but like yeah. quasi this. Yeah. Um, he calls himself a leaky dispensationalist. Who, who else? Who else is out there? Uh, I thought, isn't Brian Borgman? I don't know. I, I thought he was. I'm not sure. Um, I would assume he was awe, but I don't know. I really don't know. Oh, oh he oh. might be. Uh, here's a theologian for you, Gavin Jarvis. Gavin Jarvis. That's true. He's, he's, he's a little dispy though, too. Sometimes. He's, he's the same as me. Where Okay. I, I want to say the one, the contemporary people would know the big name is Wayne Grudem. A lot of people know him. I his think name. Wayne, yeah. Because Systematic Theology was such a book. I know Arminius who read that. Yeah. So I think, uh, Wayne Grudem. And you've listed a few guys. Uh, Luther, I, I don't know if you're that far off. He might have been. Yeah. He, I'm pretty sure Luther pretty, was. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, cool. uh, Tyler, post mill. Go ahead. So, post millennials. And again, same thing with Sean. Like, I'm not speaking of all post millennials because there's a lot of different kind of views in there. But the basic sense is that that, that thousand years in Revelation is just talking about the church age in which Christ is ruling from heaven right now and the and him putting his enemies under his feet is actually happening through the church. And a thousand years isn't literal. Years. Maybe. See, I don't think so, but some actually think there's going to be a thousand years of a what we would call a golden age golden of Christian age, yeah. Christianity. I don't know if the thousand is literal or just a figurative a long time. And do you believe, um, a, and I may be misspeaking here, but a, I would say a lot of the post-millennials I've talked to said the thousand years, whether it's figurative or literal, started with Nero destroying the temple? Possibly. That gets into, that gets into like where you brought up, I mean, we're not quite in the debate yet, but I would say like when you just brought up the rapture, I think that is actually talking about the destruction of the temple um, and mm. a little bit of like Nero's tribulation or rapture. I didn't know you, you think the rapture is talking yes. about now? Yeah. Oh, it was okay. like the so, end of that period. Yeah. And my view is cause right there it says in the days of Noah, it was like this as well. And I would say, well, who was swept away in the days of Noah? Um, the righteous or the unrighteous? Hmm. That's interesting. And you have to really go with, Oh, well, it seems like the, the unrighteous were swept away in judgment while the righteous were swept away in 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 some kind of saving work. Mm. And that happened in Jerusalem when Rome came and sacked the city. The Christians left because they knew Jesus' teachings on that and they left. Mm. And, and, yeah. and, and ultimately that's when God is putting an end to the Old Testament covenant with the Jews. And sweeping wow. the way, sweeping them away with judgment, while the Christians are swept away in some kind of saving work. So that's your view of the rapture. Yeah. Um, what, so tribulation. How do you view tribulation? That's another big. Again, I'm, I'm wrapping that right into like the first century, and this is this is another view that I hold called um, the partial preterist view of mm -hmm. history, yep. meaning a lot of it was a lot of the fulfillment of the book of revelation was fulfilled in the first century specifically before 70 AD. Cause it has pre in the word preterist. It has a pre, so before it's already happened. Some of that. Is that what you're saying? Preterist? I don't know. What the, I don't know. That's just the view. I don't know what the actual breakdown. Of the I word thought is. preterist since it has pre in that means some of this stuff has already, it's already happened. It's, yeah, it's past. That's the events, view. So. I don't know if that's actually what the word means though. Um, where, 
and that's why I say partial predators because I'm like I don't think Christ has returned yet, mm-hmm. and and that is a full predator view, and that's like getting into some like her- heresy and some weird views. But too. when yeah, and so one difference is when I say that Christ will come to set up this millennial yeah. kingdom, I think he quasi came in a yeah. way, like a, in a in a sense to destroy the temple, which is closer already. to an millennialist perspective where you're saying well, you, that the, it's a it's pre it's like the predator's view is mo- mostly taking like okay w- what's the view on prophecy in revelation versus the actual when we're talking about millennialism it's what do we do with the thousand years then yeah that's so you kind of you yeah. gotta you kind of have to lump but them together but you can't like, really separate them like if christ i mean neither of us are arguing that christ didn't usher in this millennium but I think right. what you're saying is it's that already happened. Christ has ushered it in, yeah, in more of a spiritual sense from yeah. heaven. Well, starting at his resurrection, then like yes, exactly. Then, then like I'm saying, the great tribulation and what we would call the rapture already happened, right? And I and as from more of a literal interpretation, I'm saying that you're waiting when for that Christ to comes in. I'm saying. In a physical, physical way, sense, yeah, on Earth, and I still believe like Jesus is coming back physically. So, absolutely, so, yes, yeah. Just so like, you we're clear think on he's that. coming yeah. back physically for a second time. I think he's coming back physically well, for kind of a third time. I guess, yeah. And that's that. He comes back twice in your view, exactly. My, that's, and mine's twice, but one's like a figurative, and one's a physical. I guess, right? And yeah. both of mine, I think, are kind of physical in a way where he, he comes <clears> when up, he comes yeah. back. To set up the kingdom, he's like uh, creating um, boundaries and setting municipalities and yeah. things like that for his kingdom. But when he comes back for the where it's kind the last of like day, the third like the time, the last, say, day, the very last day, that's yeah. when he's actually being coronated as king, and he's he's you know slaying his enemies yeah. and all of that stuff. So Sean, all right. Sean and then Tyler. Sean, what would be the question you ask Tyler of, of, okay, what do you do with this? Like, you know, issues maybe you have with post mill. Like you say, hey, you're post mill. What do you do with this? What would be one of the questions you have with him um, against this fantastic theology about, hey, why, why are you, what about this? What do you do with this first? Because I'm sure he has ones for pre-mill. So what, what's something you would ask him of, hey, if you're post mill, what about this? What's the question? And my question has always been, like, um, how do we decide what is literal and figurative? And that spans all of Revelation and yeah, Daniel. I think that's fair, for sure. <clears throat> and so, and we can easily, through our eschatology, find ways where things can be... Either or... Yeah, exactly. Because I can say, oh, this lines up with this, so this must be what it is. But in a biblical way, how do we determine what's figurative and literal? I think it's specifically Revelation. It's still reading the Bible in like the context of genre. So like we are dealing with a lot of figurative language as John is is viewing a vision. And then what I, what I see is a bunch of figurative language that's actually pointing a lot to Old Testament um, figures, um, dressings, um, language. It's all kind of 
pointing back to the way God used to talk about destroying cities and, and, and leading his people off to captive and stuff. So I'm just taking the same language that was already presented to me in the Old Testament and just saying like, oh, this is the same. Right. But a different language, like a specific different language and absolutely different culture. It's the same culture. That's a Jewish context. Yeah. It's a Roman occupied Jewish context. Yeah. Like 600 years but after. But they're, st- they're still studied of their Old Testament. Like, yeah, you can't, you can't separate the original audience from, from the, from the time it was given. Hmm. Yeah, I agree, yeah. but 600 years makes a big difference in culture, I feel like, and has always. Weren't they occupied in the Old Testament sometimes, though? I mean, if you're in exile and they're under the totally. thumb of someone. Yeah, exactly. I don't know, that's just... Yeah, yeah and so, like, your culture, Ezekiel, being occupied by Babylon and Assyria <laughs> is going to be way different than than this, like, Pharisee-Sadducee culture occupied by Rome. But the, stories, the stories are same, the same. Like, right. if you, like, we'll even talk, I mean, 200 years isn't that long ago from when this country started. Like, if you start telling stories about the Revolutionary War, people are, like, going to be tracking with you as far as, like, even if they're, even if they're myth of, like, did Paul Revere do that right? Like, people are going to be right with you on what you're talking about. Yeah, totally. And I guess that's exactly what I mean is, is... People in 1776 have a much different way of explaining mm-hmm. Paul Revere than people in 2018. Yeah. Tyler, what's your same question story, for Sean? Same story. Yeah. But much different explanation. They'd be like saying a lot of vows and yeah, but vines. You'd understand what they're talking about. Sure. But you have to interpret it. Through that language. Yield yeah. the floor, Sean. Sorry. Him... I so, yield. Sir. I think the same thing I'm going to ask you. Like, do you believe in a literal dragon that'll knock down two thirds of its I totally do. Like, I can't believe I that. I totally do. Like, uh, yeah. I think that's ridiculous. And if see, I'm dishonest. And that's my. That's a, a where literal I come from. dragon that knocks down <laughs> yeah. two thirds of the stars. We believe. Or is that talking about, like, does it, is there any connection with, like, angels being considered, like, stars and Satan dragging down two thirds of them down, like, and Satan's a dragon all over the scripture? We believe uh, like, in a God makes who sense. came it's incarnate as a baby and died on a cross. Was it two thirds? But a, or a dragon third? is hard. It, was, to might be, it? It's a third. It's a it's third. A third. I think you're right. Or a, a river I'm not of blood. To be a jerk. Or the blood. I, just, I think you're right. The blood right. goes up to, I don't know, six inches or, I don't know, a fathom or whatever it is. Right. I believe that, that blood is literal. goes that high. Yeah, absolutely. Have what? you done the math of how much blood needs to do. be done? How yeah. much blood needs to be spilled? I definitely have. You What's think you math? could do that? <laughs> I definitely have. I don't think it's yeah. a certain I just don't, I trillion don't see gallons. It, and yeah. so, yeah, I understand. I totally understand where it seems illogical. Yeah. But I think all of the rest of the gospel and God's story is completely illogical. Like, I'm sure a lot of people have said, like, did Balaam's donkey really talk? That's ridiculous. Yeah. Did he? But we, but we have donkeys and say, we have talking. Can you say, <laughs> you don't think we have dragons? I think we have dragons. We not don't that, have not, stars? Not that big, though. You, of course we That's do. Are you dragon. kidding me? We, we have a movie coming out, historical movie right now called The Meg. It's about a real thing that lived called The Megalodon. And it's gigantic. It's not as big of as Of course we have giant dragons. Stars. And and not no. only that, like this is what Seth always wants to give me crap about. It's like <laughs> is Jesus actually holding giant keys? Yeah. 
Of course he is. <laughs> like, why wouldn't he have giant keys? Is that yeah, really so hard to believe? He's not locked out of anything. Right. And further, like, all the and, way and to And his the eyes end. are still fire, and he, and... Absolutely. You know... He pulls a sword from his mouth. He's riding a horse. Absolutely, I agree. All those. What's the horse's name, genius, huh? <laughs> Falcor. <laughs> tell from the, so, like, tell from the ditch believe- real, tell from the ditch real quick. I, growing up, I had a, a pony named Princess, and she was white, so I just assume that's who Jesus is riding, right? Aw. <laughs> what? <laughs> Amazing. No? Tyler that's had a good- pony. I had so, a pony. <laughs> if, All right. if the dragon is figurative. Yeah. Then I mean that's not my only problem, but I'm just saying like come then on, come no, on. but I'm I'm saying like this is why I come hold me, to bro. a pre mill position. Yeah, if the dragon is figurative, yeah, then everything can be figurative. And when it comes to figurative language, mm-hmm. where do I draw the line? Yeah, from scholars that tell me what uh what a Hebrew mindset would assume figurative yeah. is. Like we always talk about the ocean. There's no ocean. We talked about it when Ryan Smith was yeah. here. He goes, well, ocean is a symbol for chaos. Gee, yeah. Sure. Fair that was, enough. That was awesome, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Uh, and Thank I you, get Ryan. that. So there could be a sea, but also, it. like, there's no chaos. Yeah, absolutely. It could be. Yeah. But the, the ocean could also be a symbol for death. The yeah. ocean could also be a symbol for disease. The ocean could also be a symbol for, for rad waves. leaving boundaries created mm-hmm. by God. Wh- which of those figurative but is, is that reasons all, do I pick? All, the one that's most all, popular? Are those all biblical like interpretations? Absolutely, they are. They're Hebrew interpretations. Even the surfing one? No. Yeah, yeah the surfing one exactly. Like no, I was just talking according crap. to is that. that true? Like being the the um, gosh, what is it? The uh, tire, I think tire with all their boats, right? I'm not helping. I don't know. Sorry, <laughs> I'm the there's, biased moderator. There's some city or nation <laughs> sure. that God says that God refers to as the people with the the ships, mm-hmm. and they're sailing the seas. That's Delaware. Are those people? <laughs> are those people uh, venturing out into chaos and outside of the boundaries that God has set for them? And if so, how can I create a theology around that so that I can assume that ISIS is the modern day tire <laughs> and I need to do whatever I can to do to, to keep them from going outside of the boundaries of God? There's so much license when you say that things it's are figurative, figurative that I feel like it's, it's not consistent with the Bible. And so for, for example, like, do we all believe there was an Adam and Eve literal? Physical Adam and Eve. A physical people? I physical do. people, I do, yeah. Adam and yeah. Eve. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people that would say, this is just mythos. And although, well, they're wrong, but... although, uh, although the story is nice and everything, the, po- the purpose of the story is to mm-hmm. teach us this figurative narrative yeah. about uh, do you going have an, outside Do you have an objection place. to that? I absolutely do. Yeah. That Adam and Why? Eve were real people? Because what are you going to do? Like, oh, no, no. I have an objection that Adam and Eve were, were not real people. Were just a mythical story. Okay. I have an objection that, that creation consisted within seven days. Yeah. Now, I don't know how long those days last and what the speed of light and things were at that time. But I do have an objection to saying that what the Bible said, what the Bible says was seven days was not yeah. seven days. And I think that's 
important for me. Yeah. And maybe it's because... Did he call her Eve in English at the beginning? He's all, hey, your name's Eve. And <laughs> Obviously, she said, your name's they were Eve. white people. So. Yeah. yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> Stupid set. <laughs> of course. When you guys are done with this, I have a question uh, for I'll both of you, because I actually want to put you both on the spot. Uh, so but so I, that's I, my I think, I think you, use other, you use other scripture to, like... Yes. bring in clarity. So Absolutely. like with, with the whole spiritual Adam thing, I would be like, well, how can Christ be a physical, real new Adam if the real Adam wasn't a real Adam? Exactly. So like I can get there from that. So like, exactly. so again, again, kind of back to my view, I'm taking, I've took like a, a partial preterist view and I took, I'm, I'm looking at the figurative language in revelation. And then I'm actually like putting it to physical, historical things that actually happened. Yeah, so, so 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 why Joe, can't the so can't the rest of it actually lay be laid out that way too? To happen in the future. That's how I feel. So Job talks about dragons. So why can't Revelation talk about dragons? I think we should talk about something else. The, other than the kids, let's the, move on to something the else. The kids, I want to ask you both something because the kids are at the gates, the goblins, they're ray. And I, I have one for both of you, and it's a question people bring up because um yeah, I, I just want to see you guys defend it a little bit. <laughs> Tyler, do you want your question first or Sean? Yeah, I'll take it. Okay. So, post-mill yeah. is this idea, okay, it's moving towards this one day, <laughs> I can hear them at the gates, this one day golden era, this, mm-hmm. you know, this things have changed, this, not that's necessarily without sin, yeah, but this era of mainly Christianity, of beauty. Yeah. What do you do with all... The terrible, yeah. terrible suffering in the world, and right. that it seems to seems. I'm just because yeah. I I it. lean more on your side, but seems to be that suffering is not only part of the Christian walk, yeah. but it seems to imply it doesn't go. Away. It'll be to the end, yeah. and that's how church progresses. What do you say with the yeah. question so, of suffering? So I would say, in, in a sense, because Colossians talks about like the the fruit always being, or like the fruit of the gospel always increasing. Um, so I'm taking that, and I almost see it as like a sanctification of the world. And just like in our personal sanctification, there's, it's never perfection. So even though we're Christians, even though we're being changed by God, there's sin in us and it's never perfect. What about persecution? Cause some people say, so, well, the suffering, we're going to be being persecuted. Can you be persecuted in this golden era? Yeah. You can, even with mainly Christians. I think so. I think, I, cause there's, if not everyone's a Christian, you're going to meet some kind of, may, persecution doesn't have to come from the majority. It could be the minority, you think? Yeah, I don't know. I I really don't know. That's a good question. I but I because it's see the it, one I wrestle. If with. I, if I see it as sanctification of of the world, and just in our sanctification, we never get perfect. Um, it's always kind of a mixed mess in the same way. So like, sin will never be rooted out in a post millennial age. We'll just be aware of it and be able to repent of it. Yeah, I and I. <clears throat> Corporately, yours is As coming up, Sean. Yours. I agree one hundred percent with what you just said. Yeah, that uh, there's no distinction between our two views. We're get out of here, kids. We're finishing up. But but my view is it's now, in a way. But and it's I feel now. I feel that so, too. So Christ is the King and He's reigning now, and and right now we are putting His enemies under His feet. Not He doesn't have to come back and do it. See and there's specific scripture that I that I point to for that. So, yeah. number one, the the most repeated verse in scripture, I believe, quoted is Psalm one ten one, which is is a 
the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until make I make your all your enemies a footstool. footstool. Right. So, um, where is Jesus now? Well, he's at the right hand of the Lord. And then what's the Lord doing? Making all his enemies a footstool yeah. in heaven, not on earth. And then the same thing in Paul writes about it. He says, um, that, um, that all this is going to happen and then the end comes. Right. And I, I have no disagreement with that. And I probably am not representing pre-mills well, but I think that the things are getting better. I think that the church is influencing culture more and more and more. Yeah. That there's more and more Christian, um, excellence that's yeah. occurring throughout humanity yeah. and like hospitals named after things and stuff like sure. that. Like they're all evidences of that. Yeah. And I, I just don't think that's ushered in because of the millennium or because of the church's responsibility. I just think it's, that's just like the, Colossians one the says, same, though, I would say. it's the gospel taking hold and continuing. Yeah. And I feel like that's happening. I just don't feel like that's happening because this millennial kingdom has been established. Let's do the last in. question because the demons are at the gate there. No, <laughs> I won't call our children demons. They are blood. We just talked about them not being seen as hindrances <laughs> at all. And I called them goblins. Uh, Sean, mm-hmm. last question. And I want you to close us out. So with the rapture. Yes. Some people view it as, Oh, all these people get taken up and everyone else goes, Oh my gosh, I guess this is all true. And then they get saved. If you rapture up all these people and the ones left behind go, Oh my gosh, it was all true. And they get saved. If you believe in sovereignty and election, they were always Christians. They were always meant to be saved and predetermined. So that means God took up because they were all Christians. If, if they get saved at some point, that means they were always determined to be saved. Mm-hmm. So God takes half the Christians up. And some are left behind because 20 minutes later or 10 minutes later, they're a Christian. They were meant to be saved. So he leaves behind about some of the Christians or just he takes I, some out of the stuff. I don't know if that's Sean's view. I just want to know. Yeah, what it's not. So th- I think that's presumptive. And that's based I know, I'm trying on to slander the culture. You. And so a main thing that I disagree with the left behind dispensational is the gap between like rapture and his second second coming and that even necessarily the rapture has to happen before or after or during this premillennial reign when do you think it would happen i i i think that that's something that's unclear and you can prove that that's very unclear and not defined in a literal way in revelation and you can definitely say, oh, well, Daniel this, and if you count the weeks and blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I, as a literal person, don't like using all that algebra I, to be I, able to make scriptures I work. think literally that supports an all-millennial or post-millennial mm-hmm. view. I, yeah. And I, by, I by think taking, I agree. taking those weeks literally and then that split week that everyone mm-hmm. wants to dispensationally split it up into the end times. Exactly. It actually just falls into... The week, week, the half week, I believe you can say like, oh, well, half of it's Christ's earthly ministry. The other part is like him yeah, being resurrected. Totally. And it actually lines up literally with, with historic. And you can, you can. Don't help him, Ty. You, know, you can hold to well, that you're not, as you're a not historic, being... but I'm not. And I don't think that a historic premillennial has to because the way we're interpreting Literal and figurative text. Yeah. That is not a literal one. So you don't hold to, so that'd be more just be so with, do you remember the question I 
I tagged you at once that guy who had that question for pre-mill. Yeah. So I, I, do you remember that Christian's question? Point. And I do. Was that what so, he asked or something Yeah. Else? And so like based on your original question, I would say that there is a point of conversion okay. in time that God's sovereign over. And so there's a point of conversion. Like you said, you weren't a Christian until you were a certain age and then right. you were in jail that night mm-hmm. and you became a Christian. Yeah. But based on God's sovereignty, who's outside of time, you were a Christian all along. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a very dispensational view because at one point you weren't a Christian and at one point you were because of that conversion. Mm-hmm. And even though outside of time, it doesn't make a difference. Right. Inside of time, it does. And I think that John, when he is communicating all of these truths in Revelation, he's communicating them from a human perspective that has witnessed the divine. So he's saying, measure this. What do you need to measure things for if you're outside of time and space and all of these things? Mm -hmm. You don't need to measure Mm -hmm. things for anything. Or or if he's measuring the temple that was already there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's measuring all of these things. Yeah, And so he's saying... From a human perspective, this is what I've witnessed. Yeah. And from a human perspective, he's saying this rapture occurs where everyone who, and again, I'm not even saying I hold to this. I'm saying mm-hmm. this is how I justify it. Yeah. Who at the time had been converted, time within human means had been converted. Yeah. All of these people could be raptured. Now, <clears throat> that rapture, again, like, we talk about death, whether we are pre or post or a, we talk about death as something that's not this finite end thing. Right. We talk about okay. death like maybe as Abraham's bosom or maybe as soul sleep or depending on who you are, whatever it may be. But that is not a final thing. Right. And so when people die, they're, there's, they're awaiting this finality where they're redeemed with Christ mm-hmm. or they're sent to hell. Yeah. How many temples do you think John and was talking about? And people are raptured. I think John was talking about one temple. Okay. I really do. The, the third uh, temple? No. The second temple the second that was destroyed? Temple, the second temple that was destroyed. Okay. I absolutely was do. Was that 8070? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you think he was talking about one temple? So okay. it's like yeah. everything had to be fulfilled before that was destroyed. I'm not waiting for the Jews to build a new temple and for somebody to sit in that temple or anything like that. And I think, again, that would be outside of the uh, historical, the way that you can interpret yeah. that. Sure. Um, now, I'm also saying, though, that when the ra- when people are raptured, they're brought into that place where people who are awakened from death are also brought to. Okay. Right? To a judgment. They're like the fast line for the judgment or something like that. I don't know how it works because I'm not God. But they are involved at that point when Christ re- um, comes back the, second, the second final time. the final time. Second second time. <laughs> The final time. And they stand, and at, and that's, we hear about Jesus's coronation dinner Mm -hmm. where all the men stand. Right. Those are, those are people who have been awoken from death and people who have been raptured. Isn't that a, one of the disagreements between some of these is the discussion of temple of, oh, are you talking about earthly one? Right. Are you talking about what, what's kind of that, the disagreement between the temple? Cause some say, no, this talk about the, 
new heaven, new earth, you know, this idea of a temple. Some are saying, no, that was this temple well, during AD 70. What's kind of the disagreement with well, that? My view, in a sense, like, in a way, when when uh, John is viewing heaven coming to earth, that's a gradual progression of the kingdom coming to earth. Not an all-at-once thing, but a right. progression mm-hmm. of it. So, when every household or person gets – you own property. Yeah. And when, when if you become a Christian, that property becomes the kingdom of God. Yes. And so, as more people become Christians, it's more like little pockets of heaven actually popping up. So, it's a progressional coming to earth. That, that's, Does that make sense? That's what you would say that kind of shows. It's coming that. to – it's yeah. not all – it's not a coming all at once. And you mm. wouldn't say, Tyler, that the church or you mm-hmm. are responsible for ushering in God's kingdom, right? Other than – other than – um the Great Commission being told yeah, to do but it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You would gospel, say that, that The gospel happens. doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it not the happens. Crusades. It's not like exactly. – It's not us literally putting people under our feet. No, no, You're no. You're not impo- you, you get, imposing you get put theonomy under, in yeah. order that – You get put under Christ's feet by worshiping him or being destroyed by him. Yes, yes. I agree. I totally agree. And I do want, I don't want to subscribe. You're right. That, so that was more a dispute. I want to yeah. subscribe. Here, I'm bitter towards Sean. So here's, I want here's what I, here's what I really think you got to do. You got to go back and read Revelation and just mark or highlight how many times it says the time is at hand. The time is near. The time is soon. And then you go back to the all of it discourse that Jesus is talking about the temple being destroyed and him coming back. And when he says, this generation will not pass away until these things take place. And I have to, this is like a really harsh thing to say, but was Jesus a false prophet by saying that? Mm. Huh. Or was he a true <laughs> prophet because he's God and that stuff actually happened when he said it would? So when he said during his generation. earthly ministry, he was yes. talking about this generation of people well, that not, I know. Yeah, that's the whole um it was in the days of Noah kind of stuff. That's the same. Right. I believe that's the same part of scripture. Right. And he says, this will not pass. This will not come to be until like until this ge- before this generation goes away. So it's like, if John's like the last one that lives for that, it's got to be just after John's day before he dies. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Destroying the temple. The and, and I would say like temple. most of that revelation stuff's happening right then. Okay. I agree with that. So then you got to do something with the millennium and say like, okay, if that's happening now, why see, isn't this happening now? See, I don't think that's true. I you're, think you're that like an all millennial that's confused. I think that <laughs> I think that can take as much time as it needs. Again, because the language isn't literal when it talks about things like that. Yeah. So is the time at hand, or is it like a? Is it really far off in the future? It's absolutely at hand. What's at hand? You know, according to the, the, the kingdom, perspective, the kingdom of God on earth. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. What's Does Jesus hand? have to come set up the kingdom, or is it already here? So, I agree. Did, so, did, if Jesus, it's at hand, did Jesus cast out demons by the Spirit of God? Well, then, this, then the kingdom of God is upon you. If it's at hand, why has it been 2018 years? We're doing it. It's That's a long why. hand. Here, here's like... Exactly. Yeah, why can't here, here's I the, say here, that? Here's but like... A, here's but like a post my, can my, say that, my, but I can't say that. Yeah, my like personal view is, is this. The, at creation... Um, you have no sin. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then sin happens and it grows mm-hmm. and it grows and it grows and it grows. If you think of it like a um, sand dial, okay, you put it on the side and it grows and it grows and it grows. And then, a what? At the, at, sorry, a, like a, what's my call? It's a, oh, uh, hourglass. Sure. 
Yeah. Sand? sand yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what it is? A sand timer. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's an hour. What's it called? Hour glass. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's big on one side, small on, on one, and big on the other, uh-huh. right? So as it's kind of like a reverse one of those. So like sin grows and grows and grows and takes over the earth. Then Christ dies and resurrects, defeating sin mm-hmm. and actually putting it to death and actually conquering it. And then, and then what's the church the doing? Yeah. Now the church is actually minimalizing it, making it smaller, the effects of sin smaller. So as much time as it took for sin to affect the whole earth, like why wouldn't it take as much time for sin to be destroyed? So the the moment after Adam and Eve sinned, they're going to look around and say, well, not a whole lot has changed here. But then murders start happening, more thorns and thistles grow up. And so the same thing after Christ resurrects, they kind of look around and be like, well, it's kind of the same. Mm. So a progressive bringing the kingdom to earth is possible in that in that aspect. Yeah, hmm. so I see a, how that's it's, it's very It's a long convenient. defeat of sin. <laughs> no, I'm it's saying I, I, I understand it why that's very logical. It took a long time logical. for sin to affect, so it's gonna. It might take a long time for it to be conquered once and then destroyed in time. And yeah. I apologize if I wasn't charitable, Sean. I think I, you were I, charitable. No, I just don't in care your crap about other bastard people. kind of way. <laughs> and there's like I don't a, care there's like a whole lot. Of stuff. Like you can bring in like the the story of David and Goliath. Like it, it's kind of weird that it says that David killed Goliath twice. Mm. He he ch- he throws the stone into his head and kills him. Right, and then he cuts off he his cuts head his and head. kills him. Yeah, and then what happens after that? The the nation who is just cowering goes behind the representative that just won and then just defeats their enemy. Mm. So if that's Christ, Christ defeats sin at the cross or, or even kind of more allegorically, he defeats sin by living a perfect life, defeats it on the cross, defeats it again by re- being resurrected. And then, well, what are we supposed to do as the new Israelites? We're supposed to go out and conquer because our King just conquered. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that. At all, but you're saying, well, I'm just saying we the time say, frame is different. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> if the kingdom's now, like, why does he have to co- come set up a kingdom? Well, like That's Bill Clinton has said, more. you have to define what now means. <laughs> right now, as we're sitting here, but <laughs> yeah, right now or right so in 33 AD or 33, yeah, 33, growing AD. still from then. Yeah, gr- exactly. Growing pains. I can understand why that's a really logical way to look at it. But like I'm saying, I can't – I just haven't gotten to the point. Maybe it's a lack of maturity. I haven't gotten to the point where I can say, uh, oh, because of these implications in Old Testament yeah. that was written as a story and yeah. passed down – um, this means this in this future text. Yeah. I just, I just can't do that necessarily. I, I just see a king conquering once and then his people conquer. Right. I also see a lot of kings conquering once and their people don't conquer. But, but no, you know I'm, I mean? I'm talking scripturally, like the, like the heroes. I'm saying the, scripturally. The heroes are the ones who conquer and then the people conquer with them. Yeah. And Joash conquered and then the people sucked after that. You know what I mean? It's like, there's a million kings that yeah. could be could be 
reference as a savior. Yeah, but let's take the ones that like are actually pointed. So Joshua, the ones like, that are convenient for well, your sure, eschatology. Yes. Well, okay, absolutely. so Joshua, take Joshua, which is like really tied to the same name as Yeshua, Jesus. Fair enough. Who conquers the the Canaan lands? And then how much is the the Old Testament is just always ascribing to the land, the land, the land, and then we get the New Testament, and Jesus says, "Go take the world." Mm. So if he if he's our new Joshua, he's conquering the world mm. with us. I think you make great <laughs> points. I think that if you but are you're logical, not convinced, are you? <laughs> no. If you are a logical person, and if you're excellent at algebra, I think post Melissa <laughs> eschatology for you. I, I I'm still not convinced. Algebra, so. <laughs> I hope I hope one day I that I can feel as strongly. And I'll say this. I don't feel as strongly about being a historical pre-mill as you guys do about your eschatology. I really don't. You guys are yeah. convinced, and I'm only halfway <laughs> convinced. But I'm still not convinced the other way. And so that's my final argument. we got to wrap this up. <laughs> we do. It's, yeah. So this has been Tales from the Ditch. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to continue the debate or discussion on eschatology, please email us at talesfromtheditch at gmail.com. We have our 50th episode eventually coming up whenever we get guests. And <laughs> yes. We can plug a adapter for a 12-volt into a car. Someone told us we could do that at the ditch and record by plugging oh, in someone's right. car. Oh, that's and right. you guys got this new award here. It's uh, Unhitching from the Old Testament, the Andy Stanley Award. <laughs> the Andy Stanley. <laughs> the Andy so Stanley Appreciation. Yeah. The Old Testament Award. Tyler, thanks for coming yeah, on. Yeah, thanks, Tyler. I feel I was the moderator, and yet you were more charitable than me. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler was like, well, he's my brother. So kind. Uh, but seriously, thank you for coming on. And uh, yeah, zip it up. Oh, you can say it, Tyler. Zip it out. There you go. Woo!